There we go. But yeah, no, I'm excited to be here. Um, so you're probably wondering why, why is Cam Gifford up here speaking? It was supposed to be Cam Cruz, but we did like a little switcheroo um, this week. So you're stuck with the older, not as good looking, less energetic Cameron. There's a lot of Camerons in the in, the in town ministry. So I know you're all disappointed. I know you're all bummed. Um, but yeah, like more spiritual, probably, you know, maybe a little more wiser, maybe a couple more years. I don't know. We'll see. Um, but yeah, no, no. It, you'll get Cam in a couple weeks. Um, and it, I was actually even thinking about you and Gretch today and how much we love you guys. And I think what's really stood out about who you are and how you've come into our ministry is I remember when you guys came in. You just gave your hearts. You've loved people so deeply. Had a huge impact on the in-town ministry. Um, so thank you guys. I, I just think if, like, if people could do what you do or what you guys have done here, wherever they move to, man, we'd have some powerful churches out there full of love and compassion and, and just influence, impact. So we love you guys um, and, and grateful to know you. Um, I feel like when I get up here, it's always like, oh, I, I feel like, you know, Giffords are, you know, we have a family group going on, but I don't always don't know what's going on with you guys and like the different family groups and different kind of, you know, people out in the, in the in-town ministry. So I'm just going to share a little bit about what we're doing, hopefully to encourage you, because um, I know we're like over 100 people now and there's a lot of great things going on and sometimes it's just there isn't like a central place to see what all is taking place. But um, so the Gifford family group, we love each other. We love being together. We actually have a retreat coming up. Um, this weekend, we're going to go up to the North Georgia Mountains, got a cabin up there, spend some time praying. We, I think we got like, um, I think Bolahan's going to lead like a, like a singing devotional around a fire. We're going to share and encourage one another, um, open up the scriptures, go on a hike. So we're really excited just to spend time and grow, I think just in deeper, build deeper relationships with one another. And actually just recently today, Ish, I don't know if everyone knows Ish, he's back there doing the sounds. Um, yeah, he's a cool guy. Um, but Ish, he's been actually looking for a job for the, I was almost like the last year. And if you have any kind of like, you know, corporate job in InTown, you've probably had a conversation with Ish because he's just been networking like crazy. I mean, he's been working the room. And I've just, I mean, he's really honestly worked really, really hard to try and land a job. And actually today, he found out that he landed the job that he really wanted to get that he was interviewing for. So... Super exciting. I know, um, and, and it's kind of cool too. Me, Ish, and Sam, we, a couple weeks ago, we were thinking, man, like, okay, some interviews have happened. It didn't work out. Kind of a bummer. Um, let's just like, you know, after church on Sunday, let's get together for like five minutes and just pray for Ish to like figure out his job situation. So we started doing that about like three weeks ago. And literally like today, like a couple weeks later, He's like, got the job, got the text today. So it's just really encouraging. I think just to see like the support um, and, and honestly just to see Ish's faith. And I know there's a lot of, a lot of like campus students transitioning into in town. Talk to Ish if you're looking for a job or you're going through that. I know it can be really, really challenging. Um, but I commend you, brother. You, you hung in there and I feel like God rewarded your persistence, which is really cool. Let's get into the text. So um, if you want to go ahead and turn your Bibles to Philippians chapter 4. Um, we've, we've been studying out Philippians as a church, which has been awesome. And I think anytime we, you know, we're studying something out, it's good just to review a little bit. 
uh, about what's going on in Philippians. So Philippians, Paul's writing a church, uh, writing to the church of Philippi. He actually helped start the church, and it's a really cool story if you don't know it. So Paul rolls up to Philippi. He meets some really amazing women, and they actually help start a church in Philippi. But he encounters some really intense persecution. Um, his, life is, his, his life is threatened. He almost dies there because of the persecution. And so now he's writing back to the church that, honestly, he helped start. He helped build this church with these amazing spiritual women. Um, amen for the women. I love when it mentions the women. It's awesome. Uh, but yeah, he helped really start this church, and so he's now writing back to it. And I think to understand Philippians 4, we have to really understand Philippians 3. And Philippians 3, it's a, it's a great chapter, and I think a big theme that really stands out in Philippians 3 is you see that this idea of Paul kind of like showing self-sacrifice through his life, how he's really given up his life and sacrificed his life time and time again. And one of the, like, at least for me, like kind of my favorite things that he does in, in Philippians 3 is he's like, he starts talking about all his accomplishments. And Paul's like, I mean, he's accomplished. He's this great orator, uh, amazing mind, um, incredibly intelligent. I mean, you read through the Bible and you can just see the amazing ideas that he has. So he's like listing out his accomplishments. It's almost like he's going through his resume, like in a job, and he's like, and I did this, and I did this, and I did this, and look how impressive I am here, and like, I I'm just amazing. My resume is so, so, so powerful. And then at the very end, he's like, and you know what? It actually, it's just a bunch of rubbish. It all doesn't matter compared to knowing Jesus and walking with him. And then he like kind of goes, he kind of develops a thought even more. He's like, you know what? I've even gotten to a place where when I look at my life and all that I did and all that I accomplished and how, how people looked at me and said, man, I'm, I'm doing all these amazing things. And wow, you have all these great ideas. I, I honestly have forgotten about that because I'm just striving with my whole life towards pursuing God and walking with Jesus. So you get this idea that Paul's like, I, I've just, honestly, whoever I was before, I've totally let it go. I've just laid it down. And it, do, it just doesn't matter as much anymore. And so you get this really strong theme of self-sacrifice, which is really cool. Um, and then in Philippians 4, what's neat is that he shows the church in Philippi how to actually follow his example and what that actually looks like. He's like, self-sacrifice, that's what we need. That's what we need as a church and what the church in Philippi needs. Let me now show you how to do that. And so that's kind of what I want to talk about this evening with you guys, is like what that actually looks like. And I think the kind of instruction that Paul gives us in terms of how we can be self-sacrificial and the kind of impact that can have. So if you've got your Bible, turn over to Philippians 4. Um, and I'm going to pick up here in verse 4, and it says, again, remember, this is Paul speaking. It says, Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again, rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all the Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And the peace which transcends all understanding will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Whatever you have learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, Philippians 3, put into practice, and the God of peace will be with you. 
So, you know, Paul's got this, like, amazing, he, he's demonstrated how he's lived this life of self-sacrifice, right? And what, the first step that he really gives the church in Philippi, and I think really the first step that he's giving us of how we live that out is talking about anxiety, talking about fear. And this, this word anxiety in the Greek, it can kind of mean, like, so consumed with yourself that you're counterproductive. Like, you're so caught up in who you are and what you're doing, and, and the fears that you have, that you're actually, you're, you're counterproductive to any sort of progress. You're unable to really move forward. And that's kind of what I want to talk about today and explore more. So, like, I don't know about you guys, but when I look at our world here in Atlanta, um, and I think about anxiety and fear, that's a pretty, like, at least to me, that's, it's, like, rampant. An- anxiety, fear, it's everywhere. Take, like, any news outlet you want. Just look at, like, the top 10 headlines. Are any of them ever, like, positive or, like, this is great. Look what's going on here. I mean, they're almost always, like, fear-inducing. Like, click so you can be afraid. Click so you can freak out. I mean, literally, and I'm not trying to be political. Literally, any news outlet you want. Just, just pick it. Um, but, yeah, fear, I mean, it's just got a grip, I think, on our society and who we are. Um, now, I actually want to ask you guys, I'm always curious to hear what other people kind of experience, but what, what, what sort of um, anxiety do you see in our world or maybe in our lives today? What, what are things that you think just, just freak people out today? Feel free to just shout it out. Health, yeah. Yeah. Right, right. It's like, if you drink too much coffee, you're going to die. If you don't drink enough coffee, you're going to die. If you breathe too much air, you're going to die. I mean, just like everything. What else? Okay. Yes, debt, right? Debt, and honestly, just even money in general. It's like, how's the 401k doing? How's the portfolio? Like, oh, man, I'm eating out too much. I'm in all that, for sure. What else? What other kind of fear? What else grips us? Yes, FOMO. Anyone know what FOMO is? Yeah, we're all millennials. We're like, yeah, I know what FOMO is. I deal with it every day. FOMO. What else? What else freaks us out? Makes us afraid? Makes us worry? The fear of lagging behind. Hmm. I guess like race. Yeah. Race being like, I think we're all streamlined, so we all kind of grow up and do the same thing. Right. Be successful, right? You should be successful. You should be progressing forward. You shouldn't just settle for an okay job or a decent job. You should work harder and make more money and do more, right? Success is a, I mean, we're, everyone's freaking out about success and about their network and, you know, can you talk to the right people and get the right job and get in the right program? I mean, it's just everywhere. I, I mean, I listed out some things here. Um, like, what we wear, what our coworkers think about us. Is our Instagram account good enough? Um, is my video on Twitter getting enough likes? Um, relationships, uh, marriage. Um, is my football team doing well? Are the dog's gonna win on Saturday. I oh, know, is Florida gonna beat us? I mean, like everything, right? Anxiety just rules our society. Um, I was even thinking like, like zombies. Like if you're a millennial like me, like, we're terrified of zombies. And there's been like 15 zombie movies in the last like 
10 years, we're convinced zombies are coming back and taking over the world. Um, or like, I, I even thought about like insurance. There's like, Wikipedia has like 95 pages of different types of insurance, just listing out all these kinds of, like mitigate risk here, mitigate risk here. If you want that bad thing to happen to you, make sure you have an insurance policy for that. Um, they have like change of heart insurance. Like you plan a wedding, if the wedding doesn't work out, it's all right. You've already paid the venue fee, you can get it to recoup it, it's okay. I was like, wow, that's why my wife was so content at our wedding. Um, I, I think one that really struck me, uh, Barnes & Noble did a study last year, and there was a 25% increase in book sales on anxiety. That was like their big moneymaker last year. It, I mean, people, they're, they're afraid. They're afraid, and they're trying to find answers for how do I deal with this anxiety? How do I deal with what's going on? I mean, it really, like, it's a problem. Our society... It, we're desperately trying to mitigate risk. And I think what, what, where it comes from, at least what I see, is we really think if we, if we have a solution or an insurance policy, if we can focus on our career, or focus on our diet enough, or whatever it is, then, then we'll actually be happy. If we, just put in, if, if we stress out about it more and think about it enough, then we'll be okay. And I think what Paul's trying to help us see is actually the more that we obsess over it, the more that we worry about it, the more that we pursue it, actually, the more miserable that we really are. We kind of become what we're so afraid is going to happen to us in the first place. It kind of becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy. And I love Paul, and just he's like, you know what? Like, with this anxiety stuff, really the key, just let go of yourself. Just sacrifice yourself. And guys, I think, like, in terms of our group right here, you know, being in Atlanta, in the city, uh, maybe a little bit of a younger ministry, I think this is something that, that's pretty pervasive and definitely can kind of come into our group. You know, this idea of pining over success, making sure that we have all our bases covered, making sure that our portfolios are doing great, that we're getting the best kind of jobs, and honestly, we just obsess over it. And I think the other kind of main point that Paul makes with it is when we pour all our energy and time into it, it actually crowds out God's goodness. There's nothing left, there, there's no space for God and what he stands for and what he believes in to be in our lives because we're so obsessed with what's going on in our own life. And so I started to think about, well, what can, what can that really look like? And I had a couple ideas. I think, you know, when we're, when we're fixated and addicted to preserving ourselves, there's not going to be any room in our life to like care for a coworker, or to love your neighbor, or even get to know them, or even honestly care for the people here in this room, care for the people here that we call brothers and sisters. When we're consumed with our own personal agenda, there's not going to be enough room or enough space to love our spouse, or to love our family, or to love our kids. There's just not going to be room for it. When our actions and thoughts are centered on ourselves, we're never gonna value and treat women with dignity or respect. We're not gonna value and lift up the marginalized in our society when we're just focused on what we're doing. It's, we, we can raise awareness all that we want. It's never gonna happen unless we make a change in our own life first. And I think where we can really get tripped up too is we think, I got it, technology. If I can just have technology in my life where I can be super efficient, then I can do all the stuff that I want to do myself, and I can still help other people. 
But the weird thing is, is that I actually think technology makes our selfishness even worse. It makes us more consumed with ourselves. It actually drives us away even farther from God. So it doesn't actually fix it. And I think that's just, I think that's a lie, honestly, that, that our, our age group can just tell ourselves. If we can just make it more efficient, if we can make it better and we can get the right gadget set up, then, then we can get it all done. And I'm telling you, if, if we don't make space for God in our lives and stop thinking about ourselves, then we're never going to find that peace that passes understanding that Paul talks about. We're never going to live a life that really has impact. And I, I think why this, this kind of idea of self-sacrifice, it strikes home to me, is because it's a huge reason of why I even decided to follow Jesus and get to know him in the first place. So in terms of how, like, my walk of faith went, I wasn't one of these people that, like, had this rock-bottom experience and then decided, oh, man, like, I need Jesus. Like, come to Jesus moment. Let me, let me turn everything around. That's just not really how my life went. My problem was I had amazing, incredible, self-sacrificing parents that were just with me all the time, and it exposed my hard-heartedness and made me frustrated, angry, and resentful. And so that was like me, like my whole childhood was trying to work through that. Like I kind of had people like Paul in my life who weren't even telling me to be self-sacrificial. We're just living it out. And I was like, ah, like uncomfortable. Like that's a little bit too real. But eventually it helped change my heart. It helped me see God and helped me become a Christian. And I, I want to share a little bit about that with you guys because I think it's just really, I mean, honestly, it, it helped me change my life and really helped me focus on Jesus. Um, and uh, there's even a part of me, it's funny, I was talking about this with Katie, it's, there's even a part of me that's embarrassed to share it because I feel like it just shows how distant I was from God. Like God gave me everything that I needed and I was so disconnected and focused on myself that I missed like a miracle in front of me. So, oh man, oof. Um, my story, yeah. So it's really, really powerful. So my parents, um, when they, you know, became disciples, they, uh, my dad went through, he's a doctor, so he went through residency. Three little kids spent seven years just grinding out residency um, and, and really, like, was just consumed by medicine for, um, for seven hard years. My mom was like, stay-at-home mom, you know, just trying to sleep four hours because the kids... Um, and then right when my dad kind of wrapped up his training, he, uh, and was like, all right, good, I'm cashing out, right? <laughs> Put in the hard work, like time to start my own practice, time to make some money, get out of debt, not be poor for a while. This is exciting. Right when that moment hit, the, um, the church asked my parents if they would move to Cambodia. Um, and my parents were crazy enough to say yes. Um, so... It was 1996, 1996. Cambodia had like just come out of a civil war. It's like the fifth poorest country in the world. Um, the big like things going on in Cambodia were all bad. It was like landmine victims, pervasive malaria, AIDS epidemic was like taking over the country, um, and like no one spoke English. Like there was very little like, and there was no education or training. And I remember even going there. There was no one over the age of like 30 because everyone had been killed in the genocide. So this is like the environment that my parents were going into. They asked my mom to start an AIDS clinic, or like an AIDS program to help people with AIDS. She had no professional experience. 
my dad had just finished this training and they were like, hey, like, there's no, um, like, there's only one Western doctor in the whole country. Do you think you could, like, set up a residency program to, like, maybe help train some other doctors? I mean, my dad had just finished his training. He was a brand new doctor, had no idea how to even set up a residency program. He said, sure, I'll do it. So they moved to Cambodia with three little kids who, you know, none of us spoke the language. And, and honestly, God did amazing things. God, I mean, it, God, like, moved powerfully through the church there. People became disciples. Um, God did amazing things through the hospital that my dad helped start. Um, and, and, and God really worked and moved. But, I mean, for me, I was just like a six-year-old. So to, it, I didn't really see, like, wow, like, you're helping cure malaria or you're helping, like, train doctors. I was like, well, it's just kind of hot here and, like, people love to play soccer. Um, that was just like kind of where my headspace was at. Um, and then my dad got fired, Hope fired my dad, so he moved back to the United States. And, and really, like, it, it was kind of like a hard, like, situation. Left what he really loved doing. Um, and we moved back to kind of the opposite environment. So it was, like, very wealthy town, progressive school. Um, everyone kind of in our, like, community, you could say, was, like, really focused on, like, getting into the right college, next steps, making money. That was very much the culture of, of where, I, um, where we moved to. Um, and, and I honestly, I just dove right in. I was like, this is great. Like, like you know, good schools, learn a lot. Um, I, you know, I did, did, did decent in school um, and, and definitely was excited about my future, going to college, uh, building a career. Uh, and, and like, honestly, I was in a good place to do that. Like, I'd been set up for success. Um, and it was like kind of coming out of that, you know, those like dark years in middle school where you like can't talk to anyone was finally like coming out of that, which was exciting and like learning how to like talk to someone, which is great. Um, and, and had like plans for college. Um, and and kind of when I got to that point in my life, when my, when my future honestly looked as bright as it has ever looked, I was just miserable. I, I wasn't happy. I wasn't excited. Um, I was honestly just so focused on what I was doing and what I wanted to accomplish that there was just nothing good in my life. That's truly how I felt. Like, I know God's good. I know he's done great things. I know, like, my parents did this weird stuff that was, like, pretty amazing. But, like, I have, I have no, none of that. Like, that, that's just not, there's no space for that in my life. Um, and then it kind of hit me when I was having a conversation with my dad. Like, wow, like, my parents their life, it's so rich. Like, they have so much that's good. Like, even though my dad's career was, like, stagnant, didn't like his practice, uh, working too much, frustrated, not making a lot of money, I mean, he, had, he, he loved his life. He had a fantastic relationship with my mom. All my friends' parents, they were getting divorced. They were, like, splitting up, and you know, houses were kind of getting divided up. My parents loved to be together. They went on walks every night and talked for hours. Um, even the church wasn't doing well. The church was struggling, but my parents, were st they were still connecting with people. Hospitable, giving, serving. We'd go and, like, meet my mom's patients, you know, who, she was a nurse in the hospital, so we'd go meet her patients and, you know, sing Christmas carol. Do all my, my parents were just always looking for ways to serve and give, and their lives were so rich. And I think at that moment, I sort of realized, man, like, I can do... I can have this great future. I can go to, the, you know, go to these great schools with my peers, but I'm just going to be frustrated. I'm, I'm, gonna, I'm never going to have that peace that surpasses understanding 
that Paul talks about if I don't figure out how to sacrifice my life. And literally in that moment, when I made that connection, like in two months, my whole life changed. I was like, forget it. New friends, new mission, going to a new school. I, I just totally shifted gears. And, and honestly, it's had a huge impact on where I am today, 10 years later. Um, and, and honestly, like when I think about that and, and kind of even my story, it, it, makes me, it, it makes me think about our, our, our community here in Atlanta. Because I, honestly, when I look out and you know, I talk to coworkers and meet people, I think there's just honestly a lot of people kind of like me, where your life, or, or at least our lives, or their lives are so full of selfishness and anxiety and fear that there's just nothing good. There's nothing good. God's goodness doesn't even exist in their life because it's so crowded with, with what their goals and their objectives and what they want to do and where they think they're going, what they think they should worry about, and, and, and they just can't see God. But I think if they can see self-sacrifice in us, if we can show them how to lay down our lives, if we can show them what it looks like to, to empty ourselves, I think it can help people change. And I'm not saying like, okay, like tomorrow you need to move to a place like Cambodia. I don't even know if a place like Cambodia honestly exists anymore in the, in, in the world. Um, I'm, not, I'm not saying we need to do that. Um, or, or even that that's like the direction that we need to go in. But, you know, I do think what we need to do is figure out in our lives what self-sacrifice really looks like. Maybe it's like what Steve talked about a couple weeks ago. Maybe you've been in this church for a while and you haven't really given sacrificially at all. Maybe you've just been given your leftovers or your bare minimum or whatever it is for whatever, whatever different kind of reasons. Maybe it's you making a decision today. God, I'm going to give sacrificially. I, I, I know it's complicated. I know I have funny feelings about it, but I'm going to give sacrificially because I, I want that peace that passes understanding. I, I want to show people what it's like to, and follow Paul's example of really emptying myself to really be a light to this world. Or maybe it's um, your career. Maybe you've been burning, burning the what, burn the oil on both ends, or burn the candle on both ends, whatever it's called. Maybe you've been doing that. I do that sometimes. And honestly, there's just been no space for God, for his word, for the people here in this room, for his kingdom. There's just been no room for it. And maybe it's because you're so focused on, on that next promotion or that next step. Maybe it's just that one decision to say, you know what, maybe I don't need to get there. Maybe, maybe that I just don't need to go there. Maybe I really need God. Maybe I need to create some space for his goodness, for what's good, for what's true, what's noble in my life right now. That one decision could, could not only, I think, change your life, it could change the 10 other people on your team or however many people are in your company. Uh, or, or maybe it's even like your family. Maybe it's, you know, your kids and so much of your energy and time goes into making sure your kid's okay. Like I know Katie's a school nurse and like, there's like an EpiPen shortage because there's too many EpiPens. People want EpiPens because everyone's allergic to everything. Maybe there's, you're just like consumed with your kids. And instead of being consumed with them, maybe they need you to see, maybe they need to see you sacrifice your life so they'll one day follow God like me. Because that's what I needed. I, need some, I, needed, I needed a Paul to lay down their life and show me, no, no, like to walk with God, here's what you need to give up. Here's what it looks like. And so I just encourage you, think about what that is. It's going to look different here in Atlanta. It might not be Cambodia, 
But I know definitely just within our culture, if there's one thing that we can give up and we need to give up more of, it's ourselves, right? We, we just got to do it. And, and, and if we don't, honestly, if we don't do it, guys, we're just going to be here. We'll never experience that peace, that peace that surpasses understanding, that peace that just doesn't even make sense to our world. We'll never really get to live it out and experience it if we don't make decisions to, to sacrifice ourselves and, and really follow Paul's example. Amen? Amen. And thanks, guys. Appreciate it.